The following episode of the 9pm edict contains strong language and disturbing sexual imagery. Malcolm, I can give you far more pleasure than any of those Japanese robots. Please call. Thursday, the 23rd of December 2015. As Australia surges its way into an agile, nimble future, we learn a few tricks for success. I wink at powerful men. And we discuss precisely how we plan to destroy the human race. We need chemtrails. I'd like to use chemtrails somehow if we're going to do it. I'd just I'd do something through social media, just make it even more addictive, and then people just keep staring at their phones and forget to eat. I think the way to do that is, is take it even further than that and do an internet of things, um, sort of interconnected sex toys and devices and social media. My God, this is the 9pm Edicts Public House Forum number two, recorded last Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salisbury Hotel in Stanmore for the 9pm Edicts Public House Forum Number two, and I'll introduce the panel, I'll introduce myself first. I made that same mistake last time when I didn't introduce myself first. I'm still Gary, and you know that because you've listened to this podcast before. But my first guest sometimes feels like being a revolutionary cat. She does a bunch of stuff with business analytics and data governance at the University of New South Wales. She does another bunch of stuff in their School of Computer Science and Engineering. She knows just about everyone there is to know. It's Kate Carruthers. My second guest is a consultant on clean energy, carbon and business strategy at Lanzatech. She describes herself on the Twitters as, quote, science tech, clean tech, rugby tragic, aircraft, fleet geek, women as leaders, founders, investors, all things startup, half Canadian, half Australian, half German. So whatever you do, don't hire her for any consulting that requires arithmetic. It's Nicole Williamson. <laughs> And finally, by no means least, star of stage, small screens indeed, you may remember the roast on ABC television, columnist for The Guardian, presenter of a podcast of his own called Disgruntalist Time, which is really depressing. It's writer, earthquake survivor and comedian, Jazz Twemlow. Good afternoon all. Hello. Hello. First question for you, Kate. What's the best thing you've done with a supercomputer? Well, I don't typically use them myself. I build them and let other people use them. And they, other people use them to do all sorts of things like redesign uh, photovoltaic cells or design uh, new ways for engine emissions to be made more efficient. Don't you have any games on it? No. Yeah, what, I like building them. I, I like designing and building them and then handing them over to people to do interesting research on so, if you design and build supercomputers, are you Satoshi Nakamoto, inventor of Bitcoin? <laughs> no, I don't believe so, although it could be in one of my fugue states. Ah, that happens often? No. Okay. Nicole. Yes, How hello. amazing is coal? How amazing is coal? Oh, that's very tricky. You're very... Actually... <laughs> You know, I don't want to bore you about with this, but actually coal fuels steel mills. Mm-hmm. And the company that I've been associated with for many years, or a few years now, Lanzatech, actually takes the waste gases from steel mills. So coal's at the beginning, takes the waste carbon-rich gases from steel mills, puts them through a process which involves a microbe that was originally in a rabbit, rabbit's gut, and turns it into low carbon fuels and chemicals. So coal is bad, but not quite as bad as you might make out. Steel is more amazing than coal. Steel's pretty cool, actually. And rabbits are pretty cool. Rabbits are so cool. What do you do with the rabbits afterwards? Well, the microbe is now... uh, Yeah, I don't want to tell you about the rabbits because I don't want to get into trouble, right? But um, (laughs) no, Is this a Cory Bernardi thing? This is... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You promised we wouldn't go there. Oh, sorry. Uh, Sorry. Um, no, so, I mean, so, look, I think you've already got me thinking philosophically. Coal's good. part of our now, hopefully not part of the long-term future. So there's good things you can do with coal that are low-carbon things. Coal yeah. was, was really amazing for the um, chimney-sweeping economy of Dickensian Britain as well. So it's, it's done right. some really, really good stuff. I mean, did you have a lot of experiences that growing up as you did in the north of England? Yeah, my life growing up was pretty much sort of a cross between sort of Oliver Twist and uh, Mary Poppins. 
Oh. Also dancing on rooftops, synchronized, <laughs> synchronized dancing uh, with poor people who uh, get soot out of rich people's chimneys. None of this is true. What is true, though, is that you are, in fact, an earthquake survivor. Uh, yes. Am in I? Japan. Uh, yeah, that's true. Well, well, I survived it by preemptively leaving a week before it happened. Um, so, if that's survived... So I, this, yeah. this is not as you described it in your own <laughs> podcast. Oh well, that's no. Well, I survived lots of little ones and one that was like I think is seven size s- important. Seven points. Yeah. Well, it's, if it not wobbles the table a bit, it's a bit extreme. So oh, I survived that. Um, <laughs> but I did. There were a couple of seven point something on the Richter ones, but then the main one that caused the huge disaster. Um, I actually left to come to Australia a week before that one, which is quite horrific because then. You know, I'm getting a lot of uh, sort of updates on Facebook from dear friends who are having to deal with rather nasty circumstances. Now, one of the problems I have, uh, and regular listeners to this podcast will know, that whenever, for example, a building catches fire, their first question is not, oh, my God, is everyone safe? But what's Stilgarian been doing now? <laughs> right. Uh, and this has become a, an ongoing problem in my life. Were you ever implicated in the earthquake? Um, I mean, you well, left, is, obviously, is, a very, is, very convenient time. It's pretty suspicious that I did leave a week before it happened. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if there was a prime suspect for an individual who's able to shift entire tectonic plates, then uh, I'd be your guy. Uh. Can I come back to Cole for a minute and ask you a question? Absolutely. So, there's a startup that has just launched, which is send, and, and the, it's kind of based on that send your enemies glitter. And they're sending people coal for Christmas. Do you think that's cool? I think that's really kind of not funny. It's, it's kind of a bit of an obvious joke. It's really then... bad, isn't it? What do you think, mate? Well, it's kind of... Doesn't that play into the whole you've been bad all year, yeah, so here's yeah. your punishment? Yeah. Cole's amazing, you asshole. Like, it's <laughs> no. sort of like, that doesn't really... It's pretty, pretty, pretty It's a, it's a negative... It's like an ironically negative advertising campaign. How would you feel if you got coal through the mail for Christmas? Um... Depends if it's black or brown coal, really. Yeah, that's right. right yeah. Black coal actually is really quite beautiful. I had, as a kid, a core sample, like a geological core sample. So it's about 10 centimetres across, just where they drill down into the earth and take it away. And it was a beautiful piece of anthracite, black coal, from way, way under the earth somewhere. And it had been polished on one side. And it's actually quite beautiful. Is this podcast sponsored by the Minerals <laughs> Council <laughs> Australia? Is that what's going on here? Coal is a beautiful thing. Coal is a beautiful thing. How Stilgarian's confessing to his Dickensian childhood. I I don't think geological earth sampling was a thing that happened in Dickensian times. You obviously haven't read Oliver. You haven't read Oliver Twist. It's the whole. I know coal. It's all about coal, baby. In fact, speaking of coal, hey, this is this is coal. (laughs) This is all coal. I saw on Twitter either today or yesterday that the last coal mining has happened in the UK. The last day of work um, today... Yes, that was due to happen this year, yes. It happened today, or yes, yesterday in the UK. No more coal mining in, in the UK. Can we, can we have a moment's silence <laughs> for, for the, the coal. British coal industry? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, it's a huge part of no, British please, history. We can't have a moment's no, no, silence. <laughs> and can I just say that we should really thank Margaret Thatcher for that. Oh. Margaret Thatcher, bye the bye great Cole. environmentalist. Yeah. She got the miners to strike. I love she was Margaret a sort Thatcher. Of accidental environmentalist. Yeah, it's quite weird, isn't it? That's right. She's just shipped all the dirt to China. This yeah. must cause problems for Tony Abbott because Margaret Thatcher is a, a great huge. inspiration to him. A yeah. huge and me. inspiration. And you are good. Yeah, no, I like oh, Margaret yeah, Thatcher. Yeah, um, yeah. Which aspect? I admire her determination. Oh, she had that in spades. She had that in spades. And um, I don't agree with all her policies, but I think Britain was moribund in the 70s. Sorry, Kate. Um, Britain was moribund... There's there's a a kind of moment here. What you can't see at home, folks, is Kate is almost in tears at this... She's holding thing. herself back while I yeah. do the PM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, she, Kate's um, being very polite, but Nicole, do, yeah, do continue. Yeah, uh, no. Well, I'm the token right winger on this particular well, podcast. No, I'm no, centre right. Yeah. That's how I identify myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 and I find all of that whole left wing, right wing, and that very one dimensional, both True. literal sense of the word and, Look, and kind of. We've outdated. got to stop being led by the architecture of the French Revolutionary Congress, <laughs> where people sat to the left and the right to describe our politics today. It's just rubbish. 
And anyway, yet I you're a, a big fan of the guillotine. How, how do you reconcile I'm not these a fan two of thoughts? The guillotine, except that if you're going to kill somebody, it's a very efficient <laughs> way to quickly. do it. Have you heard this? There's, a, there's an old saying in the business community that directors say, and that is about um, chief executives, and that is... That they should be sent to the guillotine. So It's called support. So you've got a CEO who's not performing. Support, support and support, then run the cleanest abattoir in town. Have you not heard that one before? I Welcome have to not. corporate life. I, I don't play very well in corporate life. I, I, I tend to be one of those people who, when asked what do you think of a project, I, I answer the question truthfully. That's so I, I did once during the first dot-com boom when the general manager of the company I was working for when I was producing a project had this wonderful idea to change the front cover of a D, uh, CD, no, DVD, uh, what are they called? CD-ROM. CD-ROM, CD-ROM that we were producing. Well, this was multimedia, the first dot-com boom. Multimedia we were making. And he wanted to change... The colour. The cover they of, always no, the whole cover design like the of this youth-targeted thing to include this female model he'd found and whatever. And he said, what do you think of that? And I said, it sounds like the sort of thing that would come out of a middle-aged man with a failing marriage who's getting pretty frustrated oh, on a no. Monday afternoon, <laughs> Lucas. How did that go down? Uh, not well. No. <laughs> That's a true story, actually. Yes. We've all got those. <laughs> yes. Um, look, we, we, we did mention... Have we gone off track? <laughs> I don't know that there was a track to is begin with. on this thing? <laughs> no, there isn't a track on this podcast. But we, we have started talking about uh, Tony Abbott in relation to uh, Margaret Thatcher. Of course, the defining event of 2015 it, politically in Australia was the change of Prime Minister. Yep. So, uh, I mean, what we become I, an abattoir in Australia. Don't you think? Yes, yeah. yes, an abattoir. It's, a, it's an abattoir. Our political leadership, it's, it's become an abattoir. Well, it's you're... Abattoir you're and so it should be. Perhaps Ooh. it's time... For the guillotine. ..to take it to its logical conclusion. The guillotine. I'm not calling for the guillotine. That's you still. <laughs> and, and because it's modern, have it as a reality sort of TV... A reality TV, TV show. Thing. Instead of elections, we can actually just topple the leader, vote them off the island. Yeah. You know, what, perhaps what, ritually what humiliate that, them. What was that show where they set up elaborate obstacle races to have teams competing for money for oh, charity? So do that with they political the parties. Royal That's a great in. idea. That was oh, great. Oh, yeah, perfect. Was it the Krypton Factor? Was that <laughs> it? The SOM. That's what it was called. No. <laughs> I've, I've lost it. It was, it was on Sunday nights on television. See, the problem it's for... It's a knockout. Thank you from the audience. Call so it. the yeah. problem for all you guys, if you're proposing some sort of um, uh, obstacle course for politics, is Tony Abbott would leave everybody yeah. for dead because he's well, if, a fittest... If nothing else, he's a fit man, yeah. The fittest politician we've ever uh, Corey's had. Corey's pretty fit. Oh, I'm pretty I'm sure so Mike Baird's fit. So we'd have the front runners would be Tony Abbott and Corey Bernardi. Yeah. Well, I don't know about what system have you proposed? This is awful. (laughs) Well, I think we could actually change that if we made them do it in high heels. Then my money's on Julie Bishop. Yep. Good. Yes. Not George Brandis. Ooh. I'm not sure he's had the same amount of practice. I I think I need to change the subject. I think you do. (laughs) Indeed. That seems like a perfect moment to go to a break. We will be back in a moment with more about Australian politics. Well, I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far, at least uh, before it descends further into Saturday afternoon pub chaos. Uh, A bit of housekeeping before we proceed any further, however. Obviously, uh, as you know, this podcast is supported by you, the listeners, through your subscriptions and one-off contributions. Nothing new to report this time, but I will say to all of you who have supported me during the last couple of years on the 9pm Edict that there'll be a big wrap-up between now and the end of the year. All of your sponsored content that you're still owed will be in that final 2015 wrap episode one week from today on the the 30th of December. So stay listening for that. And in the new year, well, I think we'll be doing more of these public house forums, maybe a few other things as well. Stay tuned for that. And if you have any thoughts on where and how you'd like to see this podcast evolve, well, you know where to find me. 
You are listening to the 9pm Edicts Public House Forum number two, coming to you not live but being recorded live at the Salisbury Hotel in Stanmore in the inner west of Sydney. I don't know what those people back there are laughing at. They are strange and disoriented and disconnected people. We were talking about Tony Abbott and Ms Kate Carruthers, which is to speak more about Tony Abbott. I've really enjoyed watching Tony Abbott A, get turfed and B, <laughs> refuse to go away and die. Yeah. And it's just been a great pleasure to see him do things like go to his cultural homeland and do the Margaret Thatcher Memorial Lecture and have the Queen refuse to take an audience with him yeah. and then watch the stats that come out of his electorate where a whole bunch of people would just like him to go away gracefully, please. Now that is the news Left this morning. Left wing think tank finds that so the left-wing think tank the australia institute ran a survey and you know left-wing think tank finds that people agree with their positions i'm not sure i i am not i'm not i'm not really a big fan of um polls because we know they're all it's not a bs well you know it's not an independent one like no. Nielsen or whoever. I don't, yes, I so don't believe in polls, polls at all. I think the, the UK, the last UK election where some poor people thought that Labour was going to get in because that's what the media and the polls said when the people who were actually doing the work knew that, that it was going to be the Conservatives again and they were romped in. Um, Sadomasochistic UK. I know. Just more pain. I think if you, I mean, Tony's really um, a really interesting character, and his Twitter feed at the I, moment oh, that's, is that's certainly. Yeah, yeah there's he's no a, argument there. He's, he's a, a complex he, and fascinating. He's, he's a com- complex and fascinating. <laughs> he's so misunderstood. <laughs> but his Twitter feed at the moment is just hilarious because he's doing what he is part of his homeland and heartland, which is he's giving awards to children in primary schools and surf life-saving clubs. And it's, yeah, it's he's quite doing that in between white-anting Malcolm Turnbull. There's an element yeah. in that. Media a, a presentation element, after media presentation after he said he wouldn't go away, which I think goes to character. He There's said he was going to do one thing and now he's doing the opposite to it. I think, that, I think that's very disappointing, I agree. I, I, I mean, and, and I actually think he's a man who's got a lot to, he's got a lot to offer He's got a lot of passions. He He's very community-minded. and just help them put out fires. I actually yeah. think one of his great passions is um, Indigenous health, Indigenous issues, and I, I, I would like to see him wait, working wait, wait, in that okay. area. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to call for a truce there for the moment between ladies. We're ladies. hugging. You can't see it on camera. Actually, a hug might be described as something else. Can you press the hug sound effect? We've got the hug sound effect here. We'll put that in in post. There we go. That's it. Yeah, what a lovely hug. Well, I, just, um, I, I just find it interesting that, you know, after he was kicked out and then he, this first port of call was to, yeah, pop over to Europe and, and still try to sell his policies. It was just kind of depressing. He depressing. went for a holiday, mate. Well, no, well, he, but he gave a speech at the Margaret Thatcher lecture that where he was talking about keep, keep, the, you know, keep the refugees out. It was kind of like seeing someone who's been kicked out of their own band well, the, the rest of the band still goes on and they've just gone on a world tour touring with songs that they didn't write. So it's just really, really... So you stop, stop, stop singing your best hits. You're not in the band anymore, you yeah. fuckwit. Anyway. What was the name of the drummer before Ringo? But it, that's uh, always... I, I want to say George Best, but that's wrong, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> that's a, another one. Anyway, well, I, 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 also, I agree with Pete you guys. Best, Pete Best. Pete Best. George Best was, was the, the football player. Can, can, yeah. can, can I actually bring it back to see? I'm, I'm, I'm actually... You can't She's trying to strangle I'm grabbing her. I'm grabbing her. I want to bring it's, it round it's, it's to... It's a hug, as they call it. I, I believe wanna... pythons do the same sort of thing. It's actually... We learned this in Girl Guides. It's a combination of a choke and... Yeah. The hold. I, I just want me. to disclose at this time that I actually have a Margaret Thatcher T-shirt. <laughs> no word. Was wow. it the, it's the Sex Pistols T-shirt, isn't it? With oh no, that no, was the Queen. Right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> So, I'm so a proud, I'm a proud you, Brit. I'm yeah, very yeah, in touch with like my own culture. Yes. <laughs> no idea. No. I don't even follow sports, so there you I, go. I, I don't know. The, I'm the worst British man alive. No, the Queen plays Do you identify as English or Collingwood. British? Uh, English, I English. Say. But right. my mum's Scottish, so I should probably... Oh, my God. What did you think of the referendum? Uh, it was all right, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might just sit back and let these two come at each other. <laughs> Back That's to right. Tony. Okay, can I say, can I, can I, 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 got, I agree with you guys. I think he should go. 
Um, I but, mean, yeah, but the, but at the same time, I'm, I I have a lot more regard for him as a as a local member. He's a great local member. Well, this is what I yeah. understand. Yeah. And also, anyone who has say had dinner with him he's, he's, and said he's, he's a the charming ultimate retail politician, haven't we all? And people always, people, well, are, some of us have. Let's go back to that. What is he like as an individual? He's so personable. So hmm, anyone who's dealt with hearing. the Rudd versus um, the, in the old days when it was Rudd versus Abbott, everyone would say anyone who's met Abbott comes to have high yeah. regard for him um, and the reverse was true for Rudd. As soon as you met him you disliked him. Yeah. Abbott's great failing was that one of his according to the woman who's sitting next to me, one of his great failings <laughs> the was... The woman sitting next yes, to you. Um, was his loyalty to his staff. So he, you know, he was very loyal to his chief of staff. He was too loyal to... He should have ditched too Bronwyn bit Bronwyn Bishop, oh, yes. who turned on him in the end. So his loyal. And Bronwyn Bishop still doesn't get that she did something wrong. She doesn't wrong. get that at all. But oh, um, no, I, I was actually at a thing up on the northern beaches the other week. I'm sure and you Bronwyn, were. Bronwyn Bishop spoke, and she spoke uh, as the local member. And she does turn up to even the opening of an envelope in her electorate. And she spoke about resilience and the importance of resilience. And as I was shaking her hand, I did congratulate her on her ability to bounce back. (laughs) (laughs) That's mean. That is... (laughs) Kate, you are very cruel sometimes. But funny. Jazz, how long have you been in Australia now? Four years, I think. Four and a half. Oh, so you off through all the magic so times. So all, all 27 prime ministers you've had <laughs> in that time. <laughs> yes, oh, yes. Do you, uh, my dad's actually in the hospital at the moment. They announced during the course of it that when they're checking people's um, consciousness now, you know, are you, are, you, are you cognitive functions, they don't ask... <laughs> Prime Minister for Prime Minister's any minister because it's too hard because yeah. he could easily get it wrong. Yeah, you could be senile and say uh, it's it's Kevin Rudd again. <laughs> and say, oh, amazingly, by coincidence, you're right. He's come back a third time. <laughs> he wants to come back. Yeah, he actually, will. I, I saw the other day a story that I mean, Kevin Rudd really wants to be Secretary General of the United Nations. Oh my Nations. God! Right. Can you imagine? And. There was something out of the UN saying that they're really thinking about diversity and thinking maybe the next sec gen of the UN should be a woman. Yep. I thought they should appoint Julia Gillard. That would just that, be that the would worst. Be so, Actually, the, that would be such a nice. Sorry, Kevin. That would be a knife in the chest, not the bank. It's more likely to be Helen Clark. It is going to be Helen Clark. But I think that the rotate, the, the rotate is it's meant to be an Eastern European, but it can't be an Eastern European because of the problems with Putin. Sorry to get serious with you. No, but, no, no. Um, no we, we talk yeah, about all the serious yes, things on this. But problem. Helen Clark is really in the running. Yeah, yeah. she's she's the top one, and yeah. Rudd is way below her in both. <laughs> skill and his likelihood of getting well, there. I, I, I suspect, yes, that there's enough people at the UN who've, who've met how Kevin Rudd yeah. or have, have met people who've met Kevin Rudd. But Ruff. how would you feel if you'd put together a campaign strategy to become the UN that included being the head of sanitation for the world and it got you nowhere? I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty shitty, isn't it? <laughs> don't even trust you with, <laughs> don't even trust you with our toilets, Kevin. Sorry. <laughs> you, actually, he's head of global sanitation be, in his in his goal to become um, head of the UN. I mean, that's just... It's a bit of a weird uh, career path, that, isn't it? It really mm. is. Mm. But we've had a series... I'm pausing because I'm so, I was about to say we've had a series of prime ministers who've really lusted for power for power's sake. And I think, well, there's Rudd, definitely... Abbott, I think so. I mean, there was certainly a, there's that aspect of public service. I think, I think there was definitely an element of feeling like it was his destiny. Yeah. Yes. I, is that what you Actually, mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll take that and yes. certainly, our current prime minister is in that mould as well. Well, as, as I point yeah. out, I mean, you know, Turnbull's middle name is Bly. He is descended <laughs> from right. one of the first governors of New South Wales, yeah. namely Captain Bly, and so on. Yes, he's. Well, you know, I he's re- got that born I, to rule attitude. I reckon, I reckon I've cracked the code with Turnbull, and that's yeah. he's an only child like me, and we have this sort of sense of destiny that I think that this. Are we all? Someone a in the pack audience just said you're all a pack of psychopaths. I reckon that's right. 
I think there's there's something to that, the only child syndrome. Well, you it, think that you're it, destined for something. Everyone that's known Great. Malcolm for a long time is just hoping that he's learned his lesson from last time he let his true self be known. Yeah. I mean, I, it, What, the tentacles came out of the shirt pocket? It was the lizard thing, yeah. you know. Lizard I'm, people I'm, think. Tony Abbott had the lizard tongue thing. That was that was his thing. That was really quite. Well, it's creepy. the winking thing too. Oh. But I've got that too. So I discovered you did the in the last. Winking? No, you I, never told me that. Specifically, I've got a an elderly, elderly sex oh, worker. I wink at powerful men. It's <laughs> by accident. <laughs> by accident. The great thing is, you just said that while no one else was talking. I so know. that's the sound bite. Yeah. I know. <laughs> For the promo. And yeah. the first time I noticed it was with Rupert Murdoch last year. Oh, it might but have been eight months ago. I winked at Rupert Murdoch. Did he? Did he do anything back? He didn't do anything back. Thank God. Have I, have I on this podcast told the story about <laughs> me and Jermaine Greer? Oh no, winking at Jermaine Greer no, is so no, much no, worse no, than no, winking at no, Rupert no, Murdoch. At wrong, least he's a billionaire, wrong, mate. Wrong way round. <laughs> wow. Jermaine Greer, who winked is at, at a, a kind of pre pre-season party at the Opera House and I was... She winked uh, at you. She, she was stroking my arm as oh, we were how talking. Was that? How did that feel? Um, it, was, it, was, it was weird and creepy. Can I, can I just say that? <laughs> you're, you're squirming there, mate. I mean, here is someone who's, who's got It's like a, a recovered memory for you, isn't it? Look, I have a witness. I'm not making this up. There is a, there is a Dan Illich. It was there. And right. here, so I have... Him as a witness. Well, it's interesting because uh, Jermaine Greer is on record as saying as she winks at powerful men. So uh, that's maybe that's why you were getting that affection. She sensed the power she of. She must have been drunk at that thought because I, <laughs> she thought I was a powerful man. I mean, maybe she just assumed everyone who's drinking champagne at a party at the opera house is a powerful person. It's a safe assumption. It's not, you know, because, I mean, there are artists and actors and other extremely well-paid and powerful people. That's true. I take it all back. The people in the opera house are scum. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They let anyone in, you know. Yeah, yeah. Theatre people. Hello. I got got in once. Yeah, this is what what I mean. I mean, that's how bad... Oh, oh, sorry. (laughs) That's how shit the opera house is. They let Jazz Twemlow in. I know. uh, They let me in. (laughs) Really, it was just... Hmm. Tell us about your plan to kill everyone. Jeff? What? <laughs> <laughs> do I, is, that, is that a rumour that's going on? Do I have a plan for that? Uh, no, not really. I just thought I'd see what would happen. How would I? Well, I, I don't think... Do we need one? Like, I think we're probably already on path to doing that anyway, really. Well, well, maybe Paris might have put things on a slightly different um, track. I don't know. Mm. But um, well, we're it's doing a pretty fall, good job of it ourselves. It's fallen out of fashion a bit, hasn't it? They're, they're, yeah, the, yeah whole, the people kick up a fuss. The whole sending humanity on its merry way to uh, self-destruction has uh, perhaps started to go the other way, which but is how nice. how would you do it? Kill, kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> kill yeah. everyone. Yeah, how would you do it? Do you reckon me personally? Yeah, how would you personally? In, yeah. Individually kill everyone. Yeah, no, if you, had, if you were given that as your task, Mission. yeah, before everybody went on the spaceship to Mars, what would you do? What would you, what's your thought pattern on that? Because I've been thinking about it while you've been talking. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like you actually have a... Yeah. Well, she used to work for solution. Boeing. Yeah, I did work for Boeing. But <laughs> right. <laughs> I, oh, be... I think it has to involve chemtrails. We need chemtrails. Yeah. I'd like to use chemtrails somehow if we we're going to do it. Oh, no, I was thinking neutron bomb. Okay. Yeah, leave the buildings behind, but kill the people. I'd, just, I'd do something well, through social media, just make <laughs> it even more addictive, and then people just... Keep staring at their phones and forget to eat. And forget the, to eat. Yeah, no, look, I, I think the way to do that is is take it even further than that and do an Internet of Things, um, sort of interconnected sex toys and devices and social media, yeah. so that you can Christ. stay at home <laughs> playing with your toys and you just forget to eat and stay there and that yeah, would yeah. be the end of the human race. And no forget procreation. To, forget to procreate. Yeah, yeah, just have sex with your iPhone yeah, until much. The, <laughs> yeah, right. that's the plot of a science fiction story. It was a game that you entered, and the game was called Better Than Life, BTL. Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf, Red Dwarf. correct. It was, uh, I, I, th- I was thinking it was a TV thing, but yes, it was a side plot in Red Dwarf. Yep. I've never seen it, but it seems entirely plausible to me. Well, Red Dwarf goes on for fucking ever, and it's just more and more tedious as yeah. it goes on. Can we After talk about seasons. your sex toy startup? 
Well, that, that is and yes. That was the second that was idea. That was the, yeah. the entire concept. That, is that it? <laughs> no, no, the, the, the concept is... Oh, so I got this idea from working on the connected lights. The, the, with the connected lights, you use your I, I'm, phone... I'm going to butt in here and explain that Kate was involved in a start-up that was making intelligent connected light. Oh, you said the connected lights bit. But, yes, it's a, a very early part of this whole Internet of Things thing. And there are others out there now by Philips and others, but, but this was a, a, a competitor and it didn't really happen. Well, but the technology yes, happened, the business failed. And you immediately thought of them as sex toys, Well, no, I thought saying. that you could use exactly the same setup of technology to talk to devices. So you could, you could actually sign up and have let your sex toy be controlled by another person right. from a remote location or co-located with you, and yes. you would be basically handing over your control of your sex toy to them and vice versa, and then you could communicate via uh, either video or chat or whatever you chose through a secure app. So it's sort of like a mashup of Ashley Madison, Grinder, and connected sex toys. Have you got funding for that yet? I'm looking for funding. If you would like to fund Kate Carruthers, Internet of Things, Connected Sex Toys Startup, have a listen to this next bit and uh, you'll hear all of the details. You are listening to the 9pm Edicts Public House Forum. We will be back after Nicholas Fryer has given you his look through the arch window. When in the course of the last podcast, Stilgerian announced that he proposed to spurt out not one, but two edicts in the last two weeks of December, at least half of which time I'm scheduled to be risking malaria and Bangkok traffic in the name of relaxation. The companion of my joys and sorrows made the international sign for Take Your Earbuds Out and demanded to know why I was shouting you complete dick at the fridge. When I explained about Still's absurd suggestion and the agonies of composition, the slow self-flagellation of creativity, she shrugged. She had, she advised patiently, listened to a couple of episodes of the edict and felt that she had a reasonable sense of what she called its prevailing aesthetic, as well as the insight and nuance of my own contributions, in the light of which she felt able to suggest that I could just bung in a recording of five minutes of me shouting, you complete dick at the fridge. And while I was there, could I get the milk out? My hackles immediately rose. I mustered my righteous indignation, preparing to launch into a pulsating defence of the window's cerebral nature, its subtle adumbrations of life's absurdities, and its loving embrace of the rye. I turned to her and I said, with I hope an appropriate hauteur, Certainly, dear, skim or the full cream. Now, my refrigerator isn't connected to the internet because I'm not insane. And so, in order to bring you these intemperate musings, I'm required to get out, plug in, and fire up a pile of other equipment, which is capable of both recording my pearls of wisdom and then casting them before the world. In the time it took to do all of that, I was thinking about the symbolism of turning on my microphone and plugging it in. The internet is, of course, above all, a place of dreams, in that none of it makes any sense for more than about four seconds in a row, and at unpredictable intervals something happens so horrible that it jolts you back into reality, feeling vaguely ill. But there's no doubting its power and its reach. We've built a world in which, in the words of Jimmy Wales, every child has access to the sum of all human ignorance, and the opportunity to shout their own lunacy right back into the bucket. Certainly the internet has taught me a great deal, mostly about penises. I learned that penises are very important, as signifiers as much as sex objects. I am, as will by now be obvious, even to those of you I haven't slept with yet, a man. About six minutes after I signed up for Twitter, I learned that that made me god-emperor of the universe and, simultaneously, the worst person who ever existed – except possibly Hitler, whom, weirdly, nobody mentioned at all. I learnt that many people could tell what my opinion was going to be on a range of issues just by counting the number of penises I have. I learnt that some people with penises say horrible things to people without them, that some people without penises say pretty hurtful things to people who have penises but don't especially want them, and that lots of people are so pleased about their penises that they just can't resist showing us all photos of them. So, because I am on holiday, 
And because being a monomaniacal public onanist is the birthright of every Australian with a router and the patience to endure third-world upload speeds, and because my wife is always right about everything, I'm just going to bang on about tonkers. But I am, after all, a professional, so I'm not doing this by halves. As I record this, I'm standing in my driveway on a warm Adelaide night, nearly naked. The only item of clothing I'm wearing is a trucker's cap with a cock on it, a plush one that dangles into my eyes. Across my chest, I've written in texter the word cock, with a big arrow pointing to my lunchbox. I've tied a bow tie around my cock with ribbon. The ribbon is pink and has pictures of cocks on it. One end of the ribbon is tied to a helium-filled condom, and on the condom is a picture of a rooster. It's the best I could do at short notice. I think it's a promotional French letter for the rugby team of that great nation, but I was frankly too embarrassed to ask. In short, I am, in every way possible, currently being a dick. And I've never felt more Australian. After all, a quick jog round the national landscape reveals a cornucopia of plonkers, not all of them male. In one corner, the collection of uncooked pork sausages that is Reclaim Australia. In another, budgie smugglers full of corporate executives asserting their God-given right to treat the ATO as an ATM, and in the media, roaming packs of entitled wing-wangs shouting at anyone they disagree with. You could fill a dance card's worth of prime trouser bumps by picking up any day's newspapers and selecting at random from the columnists and op-ed writers. Imagine a dinner party attended by Andrew Bolt, Mark Latham, Miranda Devine, Janet Albrookson, Michael Unig and Greg Sheridan. Now imagine nuking it from orbit good, isn't it? It's not, of course, true to say that everyone in public life in Australia is a dick. There are several prominent Australians for whom other organs are more appropriate descriptors. The last time I watched Parliament, I counted 17 dicks, five hapless boobs, eight gaping assholes, six colossal tits, four mixed nuts, and at least one utter cunt. And Peter Dutton, who certainly resembles a genital organ, but of a species clearly not yet known to science. Dicks abound. And why not? What better symbol of Australian democracy could you ask for? Why do you think every polling booth has a sausage sizzle rather than a pie stall? It's time to embrace the dick. When Australia comes to follow Canada and New Zealand's lead to change our flag and is looking for a national symbol, I have a modest little suggestion. But now I have to go. There's a police officer walking up and I want to find out why she's looking so sad. Probably she just needs a hug. Be right back. And we're back for the final burst of the 9pm Edicts Public House Forum number two from the Salisbury Hotel in Stanmore. Now, oh, there's so much we've got to cram into this last bit. We will. And we're going to try it. and take you off track your plans anyway. Just yeah, so yeah, you know. We're going to end up talking about sentient sex machines. You know, know, that's where we're headed for right now. Or sex oh, coal probably. is what yeah. you sex, were talking about yeah. in the break. Sex coal. Sex that's what coal. we were talking about in the break. Yeah. Yep. Sex Don't know how coal. Yeah. Yep. So, but, no, but go back to it. What were, you, what were you planning on talking about? Well, I thought we might talk about the fact that Australia is, is effectively, uh, I think, should be renamed Nimbledon. Because, yes, yes, I should be a, more oh, yeah. polite than that. Oh, no. Golf clap. Dog, golf clap for Nimbledon. Tennis clap. <laughs> Very good. One all. And uh, we are supposedly in a... Quiet, forward... please. Sorry, that was my Nimbledon joke. Yeah, <laughs> a, a bit late, but, you know, timing is everything. Uh, we will uh, apparently be moving into the future rather than into... Oh, I don't want to have another go, another go at Tony Abbott, but into the, either the 1950s or the Middle Ages, depending on who you talk to. That's a bit unfair, but he's, he, I, I would not call Tony Abbott a, mod, uh, a modernist, shall we say. What gave Might that be away? unfair there, Nicole? <laughs> I think you're being unfair. I think, because during the break we started talking about various things, but one was the perceived, without going too deep into the um, the swamp... We were talking about Tony's attitude towards gay and lesbian people, and, mm. and I was putting the case that 
um, public perceptions of his attitudes are completely wrong, and not just because, um, as, as is well known, his um, his sister, who is also a politician, is um, gay in, in a long-term mm. relationship, and actually led the marriage equality debate in this last round. But I think, um, I think, yeah, I think it's very outdated, I th- and I think that. There's a lot of people who had views whose views have changed on that topic. Um, and I and bet that would include people in this room. that Tony Abbott is well known for his liberal views, especially as he's written letters, letters of recommendation for pedophile priests and other fellow travellers over the years. And that's oh. all on the public record. Yeah. I, just, I, think, I don't oh. think you can detach one's personal beliefs about... Um, same-sex marriage, I don't think you can disconnect that from what you then legislate. So, I mean, if, if it were any other situation, like you... Because people say, oh, I, I think Tony Abbott's homophobic because of, you know, what I he... I don't did. agree that well, he's no, homophobic. Well, people yeah. say that, and then people defend him, saying, well, no, just because he legislates against same-sex marriage doesn't mean that. But if you, if you said that about anything else, if somebody said, oh, he's not racist, he just doesn't want black people to get married with each other, that's... How can you... That, that, that would be absurd to say that, wouldn't it? If somebody said, I just don't want black I mean, people to get that, married... That, that's fatal to any politician's career. That would, that would be insane to suggest that person isn't racist. So how can, it, how can you get away with that with same-sex marriage? Well, I mean, how does that make sense? This is, I mean, when you think about the last however many prime ministers we've had, they've all been anti-same-sex marriage and they've had the opportunity to... Yeah, and they have, and on yeah, that basis, on the they're record, against it. They've been on the record as being anti-same-sex marriage, although some of them, now that they're out of office, such as Julie Gillard, have changed their public position. Um, and yeah, there's more freedom once you're out of the, the well, party I, regime to sort I, of say I, what you personally I'm think, I suppose. I'm not completely convinced... Why do we give people a free pass to be against women or LGBTI or something uh, that when if we substitute Jew or black, they you'd would never be, be able to you'd do, never it. do yeah. it. It's just wrong. And we, we as a society have to start calling our politicians on this and letting them know what we think. And the problem is, and as I do listen to talkback radio, AM talkback radio, for my own edification, there are a whole <laughs> bunch of people out there who do support those what I consider retrograde positions. Oh, yeah. I, the... Morning. So uh, the thing is, I'm sorry to interrupt you, moderator. Um, I'll no, just, no, no, no. But the thing is, but if you, if you, um, it, the majority of people outside this little bubble that we, uh, not the majority, I agree, um, many people outside this little inner city bubble that we live in have those views, although not necessarily, or, or they may be in the don't care column. Um, and if you push them, they'll be forced to care one way or another. But I think we live in an in- a bubble of around our views, it, whether it's an inner yeah. west bubble or an inner east bubble, and we think everyone agrees with us, and it's just not the case. But there's plenty of research that shows there's a substantial support in Australia, middle Australia for gay marriage. I agree. Mm. And, and I, I, I the totally fact support that it. our political parties aren't moving their positions means they're held captive to By special partisan interests, special unions. Interests. Yeah, like like the the lovies in the shoppies union, or yeah, like the, agree. the radical right in the Liberal Party. Agree. So the shoppies union should be bulldozed into the sea. In the sea, at least. In the bin, perhaps. Is there a volcano nearby that <laughs> they could be hurled into? I don't know. That's very Bond. Let's, let's move, move on. on. Yes, I think this is a fair thing. And let's move on to the agile, nimble future of Bingo. Malcolm Turnbull. Yeah, I know. Are we look? Are we as sick of agile, nimble, and disruptive as we were of "stop the boats, axe the tax, ditch the bitch" slogans? I mean, we're into another bunch of slogans, aren't we? Just slightly better scoring at Scrabble words <laughs> slogans. <laughs> That's right. Words with multiple yeah, syllables. Yeah, multiple, multiple, multiple syllabic slogans. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, we're definitely quickly moved into almost laughable overuse of those phrases. Uh, yeah, but there was, there was uh, again, I, I'm pretty sure it was an Australian politician who said that to get your message through, you have to keep repeating it and repeating it until you yourself are so sick of it you want to vomit. <laughs> right. And then maybe someone in, you know, the average voter will have heard of it once. Yeah. This, it, do, do you reckon Turnbull might run, because 
Do you might he might run into trouble because these slogans are more does it benefit him that they're more abstract or is that a disadvantage? Because with like say say like stop the boats, that's something you can demonstrably prove. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a, there's a concrete outcome there, whether count, you like it or yeah, not. Yeah, we yeah. can count boats. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Stopped. Done. There Stopped. we go. Um, yeah. well, they're still coming, Mission but they're not getting here. Um, they have details. So, but with things like agile and nimble, yeah. How is do that you gonna, measure that? Is that going to sort of be his undoing somehow? If you no, tie yourself to an abstract concept, because it's all about the vibe. Sure. And what he's doing is he's selling the yeah. vibe. Yeah, that's true. Love <laughs> well, that. Love that nimble vibe. Both of you women are involved in startups in various we ways. Very are. Oh, can we talk policy hack? Yes, yes, let's talk policy hack because... I you were very anti-policy hack. Yes, I was. Do you guys I know was. what policy hack was? Look at those people getting I, ready to... I went, <laughs> I went to policy hack. Yeah, we both loved it. It was uh, great. Yes, there'll, there'll be a link to my article on the podcast <laughs> website. So if you're listening at home, pause now, have a look at that link and read what I said about policy hack. I think I said it has already become a joke a couple of weeks out before it had even happened. Yes, but then you went on somebody else's podcast and you, you actually recanted... I listened ah, to that. Ah, <laughs> that was on Mark Pesci's podcast. Indeed, so uh, my Twister. tentacles are everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently so. Oh, no, don't go there with the tentacles. <laughs> no, we've, we've, we're not going into weird tentacle porn. That's, uh, we've already talked about that in the yeah, last, uh, in the last segment. That's yeah. okay. So, I mean... Uh, Mike, can I put my position in the new can rebut and then we can... Uh, that that is can why right. you're here, is to put your right. position, right? I mean, <laughs> so I, I would like guests to I put their position. I actually asked permission first, though. I know. That no, was very sweet. Kind. It's very sweet. I know, it's really good, isn't it? didn't stop you before, before I you had know. a go at the other yeah, guest, did right. it? So, um, <laughs> what I loved them. about it was that it was an experiment um, and it was put together in two or three weeks um, at around some th- there were things that didn't work they they tried the they started out where people could submit policy ideas and then vote on them and that was uh, you're I mean, you're laughing because you know that was people were messed with the voting system and they, yeah 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 and the people suggested even, that i should be made the commissioner for startups even, and that was voted after I even one of the most high profile, even even one of the most high profile startup people in australia steve baxter the shark yeah, yeah, was yeah. telling people publicly to go buy votes yeah um, so anyway that aspect of it and i'm only quoting what was on twitter um but, but so it was, therefore it's true well he said Tell, tell people to go buy votes. It's, mm. or, um, anyway, so that aspect of it was an experiment that would need to um, be fixed. But uh, I, I would have liked to be startup commissioner. Actually, yeah. I, I'll put it out there. I mean, I thought that was quite a fine suggestion. What, what's your policy platform? What's your slogan? Yeah. What's your slogan? <laughs> details. Details. <laughs> uh, I think you. That. I think okay. you. Need, I think you need eco-imagination. Eco. No. <laughs> Is that an old joke? Like, the two of us are sitting... Well, I know what eco-imagination is, but why is that a joke? <laughs> of course it's a joke. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> wait, wait. By definition. Wait, sorry, there is a thing called eco-imagination? Did you know that? That was G, the global G, GE's global eco-program. That's true. And I know that you guys used to run it. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I used to work at GE. I have to confess. That's why I thought <laughs> of it. She set you up. <laughs> she set you up, sucker. <laughs> No, but, but uh, the, the thing that I liked about uh, policy... I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just... He's I, I need a moment now. to cry. I know. <laughs> Stop yeah. it. Don't cry. Okay, back to policy hack. Get off yeah. it. Get over it. Build a bridge and get over it. Were you it. there? Yeah, you were there. I went to policy hack, and yeah. the thing I found most interesting about policy hack, apart from the fact uh, of who turned up, was that what ended up in uh, Turnbull's policy statement Ideas for boom. innovation... Uh, is basically the shopping list of demands of all the startup uh, founders cool. That's what in I the said room. In the column later, I, I said, know. Except for women, we didn't get what and we wanted. We, the women, we, oh. we were lobbying for women in startups to be on the agenda, and that's not on the agenda. Yeah, so, no. we're, so I'm still quite cross about that. Uh, but the important thing about that was that it, w- it was the shopping list, and you could see in the room the. Uh, Bureaucrats walking around where they were taking notes, and there were certain bits where they were just writing on in notepads, actual pieces of paper with pens. Uh, it was really and it's interesting. What turned up in the policy, and, there, and, and, and it, for for people who who were 
doing um, the, the policy hacking, it was interesting and challenging because often we got completely contradictory advice from different... Um, you'll remember this, Kate. Different, uh, contradictory advice from different bureaucrats. Some would say blue sky, you know, money is no object. And then the others would what? say, well, just think big. Think big. Don't let money be an issue. Okay, yeah, because that's and, the point of brainstorming, yeah, right? right? Yeah, you... And then the others would say, oh, no, that's, you know, don't even think about that. That's too much. So so that, that aspect of it was really intriguing because actually that's what Canberra's like. You get lots of different contradictory advice I got, and I ideas. I got the feeling the bureaucrats didn't get out much to wander around and talk to people like, those that were they in the room, really a lot of the startup it. people. They had a huge Well, they were out of Canberra for a day, yeah. for starters. You know, it's like a big road trip. It's kind of the Thelma and Louise of policy development. It was fun. Did it, they all it, just it, drive over a cliff at the end? <laughs> what? It's a weird reference, but... Okay. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but it was a better place than the robot sex tentacles. That's indeed true, yes. Yes. <laughs> but, but the thing that I think might be the most interesting idea to come out of it is not the obvious one of all the things that went into the imagination statement for us to be nimble and agile about but is the fact of letting the bureaucrats out and getting them out of Canberra and getting them to meet real people who are doing real startups and talk about actual Things Sounds like you're reintroducing a, a rehabilitated animal into the wild. Yeah. And, <laughs> and now we release the politicians into the public domain. <laughs> it's like some sort of weird Attenborough documentary. But they're only allowed terrifying. out for the day, yeah, though. That's so the point. Get back before yeah. midnight, then you, your car will turn into a pumpkin. Yeah. What? <laughs> very strange. Is this going to work for Malcolm Turnbull coming up to the next election and being elected into the Prime Ministership at an election. I, I, I do know how the Australian Constitution works. I know that he was already elected Prime Minister by his own party room and therefore he is just as legitimately Prime Minister as anyone else. But will this work for him, do you think? I think next year is going to be really interesting because I think the economy is going to be really hit hard, hit hard next mm. year. So there's an element of wondering if it's going to be about the economy, stupid. Who's going to vote for Bill Shorten? Yeah. Really? Bill who? What? <laughs> as long as Bill Shorten's there, I think Malcolm's relatively safe. He's yeah. probably safer from Bill Shorten than he is from Abbott. It is elephant stamp time. Now, I, I normally would play a sound effect at this point, but I think the, the audience has been a bit useless so far in this podcast today. <laughs> so I think we, we need the audience to, to do... The, the elephant stamp introduction. So just just so that everyone is clear what it sounds like, I'm going to play it to them. Is that a, is that a happy or sad elephant? This is, I, I think yeah. it's a mentally disturbed yeah. elephant. <laughs> in some, in some what do you way. think? Just, well, the sta- it's, yeah, it sounded disapproving. <laughs> yeah. But those, the stamps were quite polite yeah, as well. So. Okay, so I'm going to put my microphone kind of up here a bit. Uh, uh, there we go. And you guys are going to all do the elephant stamp noise. Three, two, one. <laughs> elephant <No>. stamp time. <laughs> I think, I think that's what a mentally disturbed elephant sounds like. I think that was, that was terrifying. That was really quite frightening. It is elephant stamp time in most editions of this podcast. Oh, my microphone. Oh, fucking thing. Here we go. In most... <laughs> I'm, ha- I, uh, I'm having mechanical problems here. I should, I should not have done that. I should have had a separate microphone set up. Never, never ad-lib things like that. <laughs> It is elephant stamp time, and in each episode of this podcast, brackets, except when I forget or run out of time, in brackets, I present an elephant stamp of approval, approval, an elephant stamp of approval to people who have been excellent in the category of thinking. But I'm going to throw this over to my guests. I'll start with you, Jazz Twemlow. Um, okay, so I'm uh, I'm nominating uh, Bill Leakes. Uh, for yeah. all aware of him, I, Le- leak singular. I know leak, that he seems uh, like a multiple urinary, <laughs> urinary <laughs> experience. But yeah, I was thinking of all the holes in his in his logic. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see what the, we think about it. I mean, whether it was ill judged or um, deliberately sort of overtly racist or whatever. But um, yeah, his cartoon depicting 
um, Indians uh, eating solar panels um, mm. as a sort of jab at the, the you know the pointlessness of uh, trying to introduce solar power to India. Um, which I mean, I, a lot of people defended it, saying, "Well, it's 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 not saying Indians are stupid and they don't know what to do with solar panels. Uh, it's more what, to do a bunch with, of Indians going, oh, fresh solar panels. Oh, it, this tastes bad. Put yeah. some chutney on it. No, yeah. that's that's not saying Indians are stupid at all. I know, but then <laughs> I think <laughs> it's ridiculous. It was, but I mean, I did read. I mean, I you know, I do like to try and read both sides of the story. And I so you read the you subscribe to the Australian. I don't, but I did read the um, defence of it from, I think it was from Chris Kenny, um, which is probably not the best place to see um, any sort of opinion. But, um, yeah, and he, he, he pointed out, no, the logic behind it was that um, what, what India really needs is aid, and so the cartoon is playing on... They're treating the solar panels mm. as if that were what the aid they would have received. Um, I mean, my, my my only problem with that is like if if you substitute coal into that analogy, <laughs> that still doesn't work. Like eating coal also isn't going to help you either. So it's sort of in terms of yeah, I, I think it was deliberately provocative because then he knew it was going to play oh, on. It's it it gets clicks, it sells yeah. newspapers. The other thing I point out is that that thinking that what India needs is aid is actually maybe half a century out of date. And th- yeah, and there's especially certainly problems in the country and great inequality, but... And it doesn't reflect some of the great work that India's doing in the whole renewable sector anyway. It's, it's really, actually, really quite far ahead of the game. So depicting them that way, racist or not, is just not true. Mm. Oh, well, you know, India's been quite open that it's going to keep using coal as well as renewables, and it's going to keep doing that to lift people out of poverty. They're, they're doing the same argument China did a decade yeah. ago, saying, hey, you guys all got to burn coal for, yeah, a, while for a while. And now it's our turn. Now it's our turn. Yeah. I, I had debates on in my safe space, which is Facebook, um, with people... With, <laughs> you're, you're the first That's woman I've ever met who oh said God. Facebook is a safe space. <laughs> with, with my friends who are more right-wing than me. And... Um, the thinking there, and this is interesting because these are people who are not normally in favour of um, foreign aid, but right. suddenly they are now in. They are now very concerned. So I'm sort of half agreeing with you. <laughs> They're all very now concerned that money that was previously going to be spent, say, on foreign aid, is now going to be spent mm. on renewables. Yeah. So, yeah, I, f- I find that quite an interesting it's perspective. Tough. This is the thing. I mean, uh, renewable energy is one of your things. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And and for all of our comments about coal before, yeah. it it's clearly going to be cheaper to get electricity to villages by giving them local solar power than trying to build yeah. a grid. And, yeah, Interesting. It's, it's not uh, energy div- uh, diversification is um, is an incredibly challenging issue because you know without without cheap um, accessible energy, the world. Uh, the world doesn't develop. It's yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I've always had a question mark, and I don't know. I really, I fundamentally, I don't know whether the economics are there for um, um, diver, uh, dispersed um, solar. solar or not. Mm. So, yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit iffy on that. Because that's been yeah. changing a lot yeah. in the that's last few right. years, even that's with right. the price the, of solar is dropping. Per, and... You know, whatever uh. is coming down dramatically, but not. You know, clearly, one coal plant is is cheaper than. Solar all around the, all around the country. But look, I, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I, I, I don't think it was me- meaning to be racist, mm. but it was racist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh. Nicole, since okay. you're already speaking, yeah. your nomination for an so elephant step. No- my nomination goes to former Labour minister mm. Gary Johns, who um, he's been working this issue for about a year or so, and that he says, and it was in the paper again today, so it's very topical to me. In the Australian, um, one in, he says one in five children in Australia are born into a, a welfare family. So his solution is, and he's just published a book, and it is no, contra- no contraception, no dole. Oh, oh right. my God. What? What? <laughs> That's the title of his new book. No, we, we love eugenics. Eugenics. And, he's, he's no, this and this is from a former Labour politician. Former Labour politician. He, no, he was special minister for, minister for state. He's he's a Labour back guy. in the day. Yeah, yeah that's that's but right. He's, he's but he's gone <laughs> completely. He's, he's really interesting. He's sort of. I guess he's he's he writes in the Australian, 
Um, and oh, look, that's not a bad thing in and of itself. No, no, not at There's all. There's some very fine no, no, journalism no, no, in the Australian. I, I, I it's just, like those, it's just uh, padded out with I, some lunatics. I love the I love the Oz because there's a more di- there's more diversity of opinion in the Oz than I think there is in the Sydney Morning Herald. I wouldn't um, know because of the paywall. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me for my password, sucker. Um, well, we, yeah. we have ways and means. Yes, we do. Um, so I found that, he's, but he's been working. He's working that issue across many dimensions at the moment, and he's trying to. I guess his thinking is he's trying to disrupt disadvantage with new ways. Mm. Um, but no contribution, no doll. That's his. That's the title of his new book. Oh um, my God! How about yes, that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, look, they're they're two excellent yeah. elephant stamps so far. Absolutely, that yeah. is just both crazy. Bob smacking Miss Kate. Mine is um, Putin's endorsement of Trump. And saying, <laughs> I, I think that's really... I, I think it's showing great vision from Putin. And he thinks Trump's an all-round good guy. And I'm looking forward to the Trump ascendancy. <laughs> Look, Putin, I am too. As I, as I said on this very podcast only a couple of episodes ago, get used to it, people. President Trump. <laughs> I think President yeah, Putin, Trump. Putin just wants to see America destroyed, so uh, that's why he's sort of like... He will no. never win a general. There's no way. There's no way he'd win a general election. And, and certainly not up yeah. against someone like Hillary Clinton, who's yeah. an experienced yeah. politician, despite not, all of the... Who's not obviously batshit insane. Yeah. She carries... Because she's been in public life for so long, she carries she, a lot of baggage. Uh, um, yeah, and that's literally. the problem, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, um, but, um, but there's... I can't see... I can't really see any alternatives. I was running through the... with my mates who... I've got a lot of political sort of animal mates and some very right-wing political animal mates, you know, running through the... Yeah, right. But some (laughs) of the Republican um, alternatives and... It's it's Cruz. My money's on Cruz right now. Yeah, actually, that's my my, my most... uh, He's the best. Cruz is the most palatable alternative in the GOP to Trump (laughs) for the establishment. And what does that say about what is happening in the Republican Party in the United States? It's like, yeah, here's a a plate of shit. (laughs) It's like, here's a plate of uh, clotted milk. Um, <laughs> Sour. That's, yeah, that's sort of... Which is, that's more palatable than the plate of shit. Uh, but that's, that's sort of the impact and, Donald Trump's having. And yet it's not that long ago that the Republicans had such a strength during the Reagan the era. Reagan the era. Bush, yeah. Bush won. Bush won was OK. Ah. But now we'll be lucky if the Republicans can avoid cannibalism, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Would you... No, I'm not going there. there. Look, we could talk about cannibalism all day, uh, but we are running out of time. One last thing to finish up for everything. It is... This is this could be the Christmas episode. Woo-hoo. Now, what 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 Christmassy question shall I ask you? Oh, here we go. Worst Christmas experience ever. Who shall I start with? Ooh. I mean, oh, oh, it's all, it's all, it's oh, yeah, yeah, it's all, so being, it's all being suppressed. No, isn't I it? have yeah. stuff in there. I can't, I'm, I can't, oh, I'm really, I'm, I'm going to say something that will be possibly politically incorrect, especially in the, in the West. Um, f- for many years, we've had traditional vegetarian family Christmases uh, at my sister-in-law's place. And um, what's a traditional kind traditional <laughs> vegetarian <laughs> Christmas? How, just, how, does, ask. how does that even work? Yes, yes. that's the thing. So um, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't that it was ex- exceptionally painful. It was just that it was. And I, I still suffer deeply from year after year of this. But we luckily her sons come online now, and his wife cooks chickens and things. So yay, we're back to meat. Jazz, you are a vegetarian, so how does your, <laughs> uh, well, how does I think your Christmas go? That's going to be interesting. It's, it's going to be my first vegetarian Christmas uh, this year, I think, so I don't know. I'll just have to... Oh, yes, I keep forgetting. You're only I'll relatively the, I'll eat the delicious stuffing the from way. inside the turkey. <laughs> this is not this in case... Oh. Oh, see that that's pretty but how, how are you going to get into the turkey? I'll get like, a. I'll get a meat friend to <laughs> part the legs for me. I don't know how, what sort of all the logistics are. Um, that's all. And this, we'll be back to sex toys again. Um, I think my my worst Christmas experience was when uh, it turned out my girlfriend. Um, she told me she'd uh, had sex with a ghost um, and she was now pregnant and we had to move city uh, so she could give birth in a shack. Um, which is all, which is, of course, oh, 
Jolly and Depressing. Oh. Sorry, that was Joseph. That was jo- he, had a, oh, yeah. he had the shittest Christmas ever. Yeah. Yeah. That. Think yeah. of poor Joseph. Poor yeah. guy. Do you often confuse your own life with the I stories do. in the Bible? I do. I get confused all the time. <laughs> I've got no sense of chronology, who I am. Yeah, very confusing time for me. Well, thank you, David. <laughs> <laughs> thank <laughs> you, Susan. Yeah, had, I haven't done me. Haven't had you, Nicole? I am from an extended family of champagne socialists. So Christmas Day is always tricky for me. You're tensing up. It's really intimate. This is kind of I'm actually hugging myself, listeners. I'm hugging myself. That's right. Now you can give me the very You're constricting hug. yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um... Autopythonism. I've been in the closet about my views on many issues oh, for yeah. many years. So, um... Because fa- that's the thing about family, that's about isn't family. it? That's the thing about Christmas. Oh, you can't yeah. choose them. And yes, you have to put up so. with them. But it's only a day, and then you don't have to see them again all year for the most part. It's excellent. <laughs> Is that how your family works? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> mm. How nice. Ooh, yeah. Family. Dun, dun, dun. I wish I had something to wrap up that was an even more fun story, but that I'm not no, actually that's, that's close to my own family and I, I don't do... That's a bit of a downer, mate. Can't Chris, we, can't Chris, we Chris, yeah, my family is both small and a long way away, and, and I'm not really in touch with them, so Christmas consists of... You know, the one awkward phone call from my mother, which always seems to be timed when I'm onto the second bottle and incapable of really caring about anything. <laughs> and uh, we stumble through some politeness, and, and that's the year done. That's depressing, mate. Let's, th- let's, what about you, Jazz? But, but the gift you're he, giving he, listeners. You know, he, he can't even tell whether he's Jesus or not. <laughs> I get it. The real question. But the gift you're giving listeners is that, you know, they're. Christmas is going to be way better than that. So that's, in a way, that's actually quite uplifting. That's really good. It's a public service. Yeah, it's a public service. Just think about about that, people. No matter how shit your Christmas is, you've got me hugging myself. I'm hugging myself. Hey, that's innovation. Christmas (laughs) as a service. Yeah. On that note, we will stop. Or apply for a government grant to develop this startup idea further. It's an Uber, but for Christmases. People, will you please thank Nicole Williamson, Kate Carruthers, and Jazz Twemlow. I'm Stilgarian. Roll the theme music. Well, that's all the edict for now. As usual, if you want to know more about a couple of the things we mentioned, head over to the website. You can also leave a comment there, either by typing in some words or uh, sending an audio comment. There will be one more episode of this podcast before the end of 2015, and that will be exactly a week from now, next Wednesday, the 30th of December, for a 2015 wrap and all the things you've been missing out on. Until then, I'm Stilgarian. Have a good Christmas. The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry.